Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages, that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. Good morning. What a joy for me to be able to stand before you and bring up my big Bible. Now, I don't carry a big Bible because I want to impress you or hit you over the head. It's got large print and I can read it easier. <laughs> I, um, <clears throat> I have to admit something to you that uh, hanging with Randy these last number of years has uh, really put me on my knees in prayer. Nah, I love, we pray together all the time. Every Monday we meet and have a time of prayer together. I've been praying for Living, <clears throat> excuse me, Living Waters Hospice, and I've been a part of that for the last uh, 12 years of my life and uh, have enjoyed every moment of it. But uh, I work for that company because Randy put his finger in my face and said, if you, he said, you've got a lot to learn on, on the um, computer and everything. And he says, you'll make mistakes. But he put his finger in my face. So he said, but if you don't tell people about Jesus, I'll fire you. And I thought, hmm, I can do that. <laughs> but I am entering on the 30th of this month, my eighth decade. I will be 81 on uh, January the 30th. Thank you. Thank you. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Habakkuk. One of the 12 minor prophets. Habakkuk. About... uh, I think it was a couple of months ago, Randy had asked me to speak the first part of December, and I got very sick, and I could not, could not do it. I, I, I I traded a a Sunday with him, thinking I'd be okay the next Sunday, and it just got worse, and I felt terrible, because I really wanted to be here, I wanted to share the Word of God, but you know what? God knows what needs to be done. He's in charge. Let me ask a question, if I might. Are all of you born again? Everyone has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the day? Wonderful day, wasn't it? My dad, I'm a preacher's kid. And my dad pastored a church in Denver, Colorado. And it was back in the day when we had Sunday school. Anybody remember Sunday school? Yeah. Uh, 
that, that's an unheard of word in today's society. It's really very tragic, but in my opinion. But we had Sunday school. And so church service started at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning after Sunday school. And everybody sat in church, families, kids. The preacher's kid at seven years old was told to sit on the front seat. My mom directed the choir of the church and my dad pastored. And my dad said, you sit where I can see you and if you're bad, I'll come down and nail you. <laughs> That's the, 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 but at seven, at, I started sitting there alone by myself when I was about four, five years old. Was I good? No, I, I have to admit, I did some silly things. A couple of times my dad had to come down and deal with me. But when I was seven years old, I heard my dad once again preach the gospel message. And at seven years of age, when he said, who would like to accept Jesus as their personal Savior? I put my hand up. And he said, I wasn't the only one, several in the congregation. And he invited them up. Remember when churches had, uh, well... Altars. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's don't go there right now. But he said, come forward, kneel. And I did. I walked up. And a little lady by the name of Leela Bruce, she wasn't much taller than me. And I was a short little guy at seven years old. But she knelt with me, prayed with me the sinner's prayer, and I accepted Jesus into my life at seven years of age. What a glorious thing. Now, may I tell you, that was 74, almost 74 years ago. God never has left me. Have I always been that wonderful model of a Christian life? No, no, no. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. And I'm a flawed human being. I was, I'm filled with mistakes. So down through the years, God had to do a work of mercy and grace on my life. And that being the case, he has brought us, if, as we've accepted Christ, he has brought us to this moment. May I tell you that you live in the most exciting time in the history of mankind. Because I firmly believe, well, let me back up a little bit. You know what I heard my dad preach a lot? Get right with the Lord, the rapture's going to happen. The rapture's going to... One lady in my dad's church one year got so excited about the rapture happening in July that she gave all her kids Christmas gifts early. She said, because Jesus is rapturing the church, and it didn't happen. And so some, my dad said, are you okay? He said, it didn't happen when you thought. She said, no, but it's going to happen. That's an attitude that you and I have to take. What God says in his word will happen. Now, do, do you and I ever get discouraged? Well, of course we do. We get discouraged. I got discouraged when I got sick. I've only been in the hospital in my entire life three times. Once when I was born. Once when I had a hernia operation right after my wife and I got married. 
And about six months ago when I had a problem with my foot and I had to go to emergency and I slept on a gurney next to the, in the emergency room next to the uh, nurse's station all night long. I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> I tell you, I was, how can I be? I'm, I feel good. God has blessed, singularly blessed me. My mom lived till 98, so I have good genes. And I thank the Lord for that. It's, it's all in the hands of the Lord. But I got disappointed. I thought, oh, what in the world? I, I don't get sick. I, but we do. As we look at the world... We have to look at it every day through his word. Peggy and I have been married for 112 years. 56 for her and 56 for me. We have established in our life what I call our creed that we live by. And it goes like this. I am a commanded, obeying, spirit-empowered, faith-living child of God. Jesus is my passion. The gospel is my purpose. Generosity is my privilege. And the Bible is my proof. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Oh, I love it when people know that song. <laughs> I love it. God's word. So as we read God's word from cover to cover, the Old Testament's for us, the New Testament's for us, the whole word. You know why the whole word is for us? Because it's Jesus. John said to us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. And it was Jesus who saved me at seven. It is Jesus that has maintained my life to this point. And it is Jesus who said, I can trust this group for what's going to happen next. But wait a minute. I've seen a lot of things. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly for my 80-plus years. I've seen it all. I've seen great things happen. I've seen awful things happen. I remember the end of World War II. I remember all of the conflicts. I remember, but, I, but where we are today, I've never seen anything more awful in my life than what we live. I watched a... a some senator, I don't know who he was, on television do a memorial on January 6th for what happened, supposedly happened two years ago on January 6th for the five, uh, for the five guys, the men that lost their lives on January 6th, which was a lie. And he stood there with people behind him doing a memorial for these five. That's awful. We live in a world gone mad. But we should know it. Why? Well, let's look at the Word of God. Let me, let me take you to a, a, a scripture to begin with here. It says that in the last days, 
Perilous times will come. You've read this in uh, 2 Timothy. Perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness and denying its power. And we're instructed here, from such people turn away. Do we recognize where we are today? It is worse than I've ever seen it. We are in perilous times. But we are right where God is working. Hallelujah. And the worship songs that we sang this morning, yeah, the living word. One of the men that mentored my life down through the years when I was in junior high and high school, he was my pastor. Some years later, I was privileged to be the first full-time youth pastor at his church. And uh, tremendous man of God, tremendous interest. And when he, uh, one of his birthdays, his, uh, the folks gave him a uh, uh, celebration. And his son stood up and said, the one thing I can say about my dad, he knows the word of God. The man has pretty much memorized every scripture in the Bible. He was an amazing man of God. But he said the thing about my dad, he said the, lot, the word of God was living in him. Isn't that one of the words, song, the living, living God, living in us? Well, let's go to Habakkuk. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 1. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless. The justice never goes forth. And the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. What a statement. Does that sound very familiar? That's today. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Habakkuk. Habakkuk, one of the 12 minor prophets, but you know what his name means? Embrace. And what Habakkuk has done, he totally has embraced God. And, and understanding who God was, so much so that he could have a conversation with him. It's amazing how I sit in a restaurant or I sit in a coffee shop and I hear people talking about all of this stuff going on when the only one that we should be talking to about anything is our Heavenly Father. I think there's a fresh call, a fresh uh, yelling to us that the church needs to pray like it has never prayed before. Because the Bible says, see, the proof is the Word of God. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer will accomplish much. 
And we are to pray all the time. Pray without ceasing, the word of God says. And so here's, here's Habakkuk, who was burdened by what's going on. Why are we burdened about what's going on? Are we burdened because we're going to lose some stuff? Are we burdened because uh, things, you know, the sanctuary state... Uh, I did come across what Randy said it a little earlier, but I came across uh, something that I wrote down. The World Economic Forum is meeting on January 16th to the 20th of this year. That's in a week or two weeks. And they're going to put into place for a world government new system for energy and food crisis, which they are manufacturing. They're going to deal with high inflation, low growth, and bad economy, which they have done. They're going to use uh, a new system in technology so they can watch us more. They're going to uh, put in a new system to deal with social issues, and one of those social issues has started here in California, the sanctuary state that we have become for all of the, all of the filth built, belched out of the hell, out of hell. And then number five, they're going to put a new system in for the multipolar world. The multipolar world, and part of that is, and I, and I don't know the whole story, but part of that is that you can only be 15 minutes away from your home. That, that, that's all a part of what we're having. Well, let's see. Where do we read all of that? The book of Revelation. You see, the Bible is our guide. The Bible is truth. That B-I-B-L-E is, the, is what we stand on, on the word alone, the Bible. And it tells us that we live that. But when we get confused, when we get burdened, as Habakkuk did, who did he talk to? God. Now, you read chapter, the rest of chapter 1, moving into chapter 2, and God responds. I'll let you read it on your own. I'm not going to read it to you. But I like in chapter 2, what Habakkuk said, after talking with God, this first part of the conversation, he said, I will stand my watch. I will stand my watch. I set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Let's see, corrected. What does God's word say? The, the, this is given by inspiration of God, and it is given to correct us. I don't know about you. Have you ever been wrong? Not me, no. Randy has been a multitude of times. We need to be corrected sometimes, and the only way to be corrected is let God's word become life to us. Well, on further in that second chapter, something is said that really is where I believe the church is seeing a whole new fresh, uh, uh, a, a fresh standard of life. The just, chapter 2, verse 4, the just shall live by faith.
Mark 11.22 says, have faith in faith. No, it doesn't. Come on. You know what it says. Have faith in God. I think a problem that we have seen and the reason that, that so many churches have gone kind of off the, uh, the radar and they've, they've gone woke is that they have begun to worship worship, have faith in faith, and try to grow large amounts of people. And that's not what God intended at all. We are to have faith in God, worship God, and grow in grace and knowledge of who he is. And that is done as the word of God. And now, you know, I remember when Calvary Chapel started. I knew Chuck Smith. I was on staff at a church in Anaheim, and we heard about the tent. So I went over one night to see what in the world's going on, and I couldn't get in. They were jammed into the tent, sitting out over, and Lonnie Frisbee was speaking. Anybody remember Lonnie Frisbee? He was about that big around, wasn't he? he was, then he had a long beard. He was preaching the word of God. And I said to myself, this is amazing. Well, the rest is history. Look where we are today. Why? Because the word of God was taught. Yeah, you walk to verse by verse and verse, and I think that's wonderful, and I... Uh, I absolutely believe in that. And starting the book of Matthew for this year is a great way to begin 2023. And, and yes, Jesus is Messiah. You know, Jesus is in every book of the Bible. I wrote it all out. I was going to teach it to you a couple of weeks ago. Maybe I will before I leave this morning. I'll give you Jesus in every book of the Bible. But, but what, I, what I'm saying, it is the word of God. And we learn to live in faith believing. I, I was influenced highly by my grandfather, my mom's dad. He was a, about a six-foot-two, staunch German man. For 47 years, he worked at John Deere and did the same thing five days a week for 47 years. <laughs> that blew my mind. But love God. And, and all four of his daughters and his one son are all in heaven now. One was my mom, and, uh, but, but in heaven because this man drilled into them as he drilled into me as his grandson. He would look at me and say, grandson, whatever you do, whatever you do, I want you to live in faith believing. Faith in God Believing his word. Faith in God, believing his word. How do I do that, Grandpa? You get into the word. You read the word. I sat as a seven-year-old hearing the gospel, not understanding one thing deeply in my thinking process, but knew in my heart, that's the truth. I need to respond. I need to come to Jesus. And I did at seven. And down through the years, the word of God has become the lamp to my feet, the light to my pathway. And, and I've learned to live by faith believing. And here Habakkuk is watching the, the world in a mess and he talks to God. And what does God say? The just shall live by faith. Well, you got to go on in this great book. Go to chapter 3. 
Again, you need to read the book of Habakkuk. I'm challenging you to yourself read the book. And Habakkuk prays a prayer in chapter 3. And he says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. You ever get afraid? I think we all do. Come on. Let's be honest. Yeah, we get afraid. There's, you know, am I going to have enough money for everything that I got to pay for? We get afraid. You know, we just get afraid. That's where we are. But the Word of God says He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. See, the embedding of the Word of God. The Word of God is my proof. I stand on the Word of God. Well, here we see that in his prayer, he said, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. What a great prayer. What a wonderful prayer. Lord Jesus, listen. We all have, we all have issues in our life, in our family. I've got family members that need to come to a saving knowledge. I've got grandsons. I've got a son-in-law who's not a, a believer. And so I get a little afraid. I don't want him to, why, what am I afraid of? I don't want him to miss heaven. I don't want to go without him. Oh Lord, have mercy, do something. And I'm slowly but surely watching the Lord do that. We just have to kind of wait on the Lord and let him work. But here in the midst of everything that's going on, Habakkuk says that, he said, in the midst of the years, make it known and, the, and remember mercy. Oh, Lord, Lord, mercy. We, we pray that. Well, as you see this, you go to the 17th verse, which is very interesting, of that third chapter. And this is where I think that God is bringing us as his people his church in a fresh new way because I'm going to say something and it's, I'm not being prophetic here but I believe I'm absolutely telling you the truth it's not going to get better in the natural it's going to get worse we have gone over the cliff the last time I fell off the cliff I didn't come back up on top. I went to the bottom. <laughs> you understand what I mean by that? We've gone over the cliff. God is getting ready to rapture his church. And in the last days, he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, the prophet Joel said. And Peter preached that great sermon on, on him, the day that the church was empowered. And we know the church is a living organism because it became alive when Jesus came out of the grave. The church was established. Hallelujah. And, and, and we've got to recognize that, yeah, life is eternal in Christ Jesus, but in the natural, it's over. 
But I love Habakkuk. He said, though the fig tree ain't figging. No, he didn't say that. Let me. He said, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. What are we, uh, what are we seeing on the news a little bit? Empty shelves? Been told that no, we, cattle being killed? We're seeing all this. It's happening. But what does Habakkuk say? The one who has embraced God and who he is and God has embraced him to be a prophet of God, he says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Now, if you get nothing else out of what I have said today, get this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What do we rejoice in? Psalm 33, 1 says, Rejoice in the Lord, all you righteous. That's who you rejoice in. Uh, Luke 10, 20 says, Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Hallelujah. We've got so much to rejoice about and be thankful for in the Lord. It's time to change attitude. As a youth pastor years ago, we used to take kids on tours and and one of the things we get on the bus to go where we're, to our next place where they were going to sing or whatever whatever was going on the first thing that get all the kids on and you go okay attitude check attitude check and there they were taught and what had to come out of their mouth was praise the lord i can remember one one they, they, we'd had some issues with some of the kids going through attitude. They needed attitude adjustments. And so uh, we were in Hawaii doing a special thing with, uh, with some people on ministering on the beaches. And, and this, we had a kid who was a drummer, and that kid, his attitude. And so I, I went to him, and I grabbed him, and I said, you got to quit acting like this. I was so angry, and I said, if you don't... If you don't straighten up and change your attitude, I'm putting on you a plane in the next hour and sending you home to your dad and mom. Boy, does his attitude change immediately. And I looked at him and I grabbed him and I hugged him and I said, now, here's what you're going to convince me every day. Your attitude is different. When I say to you, attitude, you look at me and go, praise the Lord. Attitude check, praise the Lord. Attitude check, yeah, come on. Though the fig tree isn't figging, yet I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the joy of who Jesus is in me. Jesus who's in every book of the Bible. Jesus who is the Son of God. Jesus who came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And we live in the most exciting time. I don't think I'm going to die. I'm going to see the rapture. Hallelujah. I'm ready for it. We're ready for it. But in the meantime, okay, in our joy, 
we can do what God has given us to do. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The joy of the Lord, Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need strength. So what do we do? Listen, this isn't a day that you, you, you get your portfolio looking better, you do all, if you do all that, go ahead, do it. It's all gonna fall apart anyway. What you need to do is make sure that people are coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. One of the greatest stories that happened to me as a chaplain with Cornerstone before it became Living Waters, I went into a facility and a man by the name of Robert dying looked at me and he's and I introduced myself, I'm the chaplain, I've come to pray for you. He said, put his hand up like he said, I'm going to let you pray for me, but I don't want anything to do with that God and Jesus. Well, for me, that was the challenge. Oh, yeah? But what he didn't understand is every time I walked into his room to pray for him, I prayed to my heavenly father, the God of all gods, in the name of Jesus. I prayed every time. And we went from chaplain to padre. He called me padre. One day I walked in the facility and, and the uh, nurse said, one of the nurses said, are you going to see Robert? And I said, well, I've got two others. I'll, I'll pop in and check. And she said, I don't think he's going to be around much longer. I said, oh, okay, I'll go in. Walked in. And I had to awaken him. He was asleep, and he looked at me. He said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be around much. And I said, well, Robert, I'm going to pray for you. I took his hand, held his hand, and I prayed the gospel. I prayed that he would, in his heart, understand Jesus loved him so much, God loved him so much, that he sent Jesus to go to the cross, die for his sins, shed his blood, raise from the dead, so that, that Robert would receive and know who his Lord was and would make it to heaven. And when I finished praying, Robert looked at me and said, are you going to heaven, chaplain? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'll just go with you. I said, two things, Robert. It doesn't work that way. And secondly, I'm not dying for a while. And he said, well, what do I need to do? Oh, has anybody ever opened a door for you like that? <laughs> well, when the door opens like that, what do you do? You walk through. Yeah. So I said, well, pray this prayer, Robert. And he began to pray the sinner's prayer. And I knew it was real because as he was laying on his side, tears were streaming down his cheeks. And I saw joy. 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 Whose joy? Jesus. Come into his heart and mind and spirit and transform his countenance. Listen, people that are really saved have a great countenance. They look great. And he looked great. He went looking from a dying man to, he looked great. And I said, oh, listen, I got to go see a couple of other patients. I'll come back and, and say goodbye to you before I leave. And he held my hand strong. He said, thank you. Thank you 
thank you for what you have done. I said, you're more than welcome. Walked out, saw my other patients coming back, and the nurse was coming out of her room, and she looked at me, and she said, oh, did you see him? Yeah, he just died. You know who I'm going to look up when I get to heaven? <laughs> After I see Jesus... I'm going to say, Robert, where are you? Where are He's probably going to be looking for me. I don't know. I hope so. Listen, that's what it's all about. Though we lose it all, yet I will rejoice in Jesus. Why? Because he is the only one that can save. He is the only one that can provide. He is the one who gave us eternal life. Oh, listen, as we, as we trust the Lord, uh, verse, nine, uh, verse 19 says, the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer, deer's feet, and he will make me walk on my high, not heels, hills. In other words, is it, if you ever ask somebody, how you doing? Well, no. Not bad under the circumstances. No, that's not the right answer. We got to start looking down at the circumstances, not up at them. And we stand where God wants us to be, understanding that if everything goes, we are still under the control of the living God. And we are to rejoice in the Lord and walk in obedience. Deuteronomy 12, 28 says, Observe and obey all these words which I command you that it may go well with you and your children. So we obey God immediately. Psalm 119, verse 32 says, I will quickly obey your command. Psalm 119, verse 60 says, Without delay, I will hurry to obey your command. I am a commanded obeying, spirit-empowered, faith-living child of God. Hallelujah. And I have, I'm alive at this point, still kicking, still doing what I do with, with joy in my heart because Jesus has appointed me to be in this hour at this moment. And hallelujah, I know what his word says. And that his word says, I win. I win. Randy and I had a bad day on the 2nd of January. We're both USC football fans. And what we thought was going to be a great day turned out to be a pretty bad day. They lost. We didn't like it. May I tell you, though the fig tree won't blossom, Yet you will rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because we win. We win. Everything is ours. So we will walk in obedience. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. God says, I set before you blessing and cursing, life and death. And immediately he says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. I'm standing on that for all of my unsaved family. I actually, I'm standing on that for a lot of people, to be honest with you. Because God's not willing that any should die. But he says, if you'll, do, if you'll choose life, you will love God. Pretty simple. What did we sing this morning about the love of God? 
Peggy and I used to travel on the road and sing, and music is a part of our life. Some of you, some of you have seen a part of my family that does music, and you pray for them. They, need, they all need to get saved. They do secular music. But music is a part of what we're life. Actually, I don't mean to tell on myself, but I did buy my wife an organ this year. Actually, I didn't buy it. It was given to us. But it did cost me a lot of money to get it from one point eight of my house. Nobody plays an organ in it anywhere. You don't see an organ in a church anymore. I grew up with an organ and a piano. Some of you remember the good old, the good old days. But music is part. And we used to sing, The love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. That's the love of God. The love of God. To love God. The second thing there, obey his voice. How do you obey the voice? You learn to know his voice. And the only way to learn to know his voice is his word. You get into this word and every promise. I sang in my dad's church, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. So for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. If these, uh, for, for if these are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren and sisteren, <laughs> be even more diligent to make your call and election sh sure for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an inheritance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, many, you know how many times I have read that scripture in 81 years? A bunch. And it's more real to me today than it ever has been. See, God's word will do that. Habakkuk. Yeah, read, read the whole thing. You'll get the inside of the man. But he embraced who God was and he could talk to God. Listen, we talk to the Lord and the joy of the Lord takes over and the joy of the Lord strengthens us and the joy of the Lord guides us and we become obedient to the, to the voice. And, and uh, I wrote out a couple of other things. How much time do I have? Am I okay? Am I okay? All right. Well, I, I was figuring about 2 o'clock. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
For those of you online, I'm kidding. <laughs> we obey the Lord gladly. I love this scripture that says, uh, Psalm 119, 112, I am determined to obey you until I die with a glad heart. And in Psalm 100, verse 2 says, Obey him gladly. But Psalm 119, verse 47 says, I find pleasure in obeying your commands, Lord. So do it with a glad heart, with a glad heart, with a joyful heart. Yeah, things aren't going very good. Yet I will praise the Lord and walk in obedience. I like Psalm 119, verse 33. It says, Tell me what to do, O Lord, and I will do it. As long as I live, I will wholeheartedly obey. What is obedience? Obedience is attentive hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Attentive hearing. Listen to your pastor. Listen to whom, the, the men that are leading you. Listen to what they're saying. They're giving you the word of God. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto the unto Calvary Chapel Church. No, it doesn't. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God Almighty. And his word being a lamp to your feet, a light to your pathway, and he, and, and, and David said, you've spoken it, no one can reverse it. And it's alive in me. It's alive in me. I mentioned the pastor that I, I worked with who greatly we, he had a in his church he had a, a farmer whose cattle were dying and one day the, the, he didn't know what to do so he called Pastor Smith and said will you come out and just pray for my cows so, so Frank said to me he said Cal why don't you drive with me and we're driving out to this man's farm Back this is back in Iowa we're driving back out to his farm and he says to me he says oh give me a scripture and this, this stupid young 29-year-old youth pastor who knew everything looked at him and go, Jesus wept? <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. But I was with him. And we got to the house. And this man began to quote from the scripture that says the God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You, you know the scripture. But he got down. The man that wore a tie, I never saw him out of a tie ever in my life. In the, in the four years I was his youth pastor, I, I never saw him out without a tie on. But he gets down on the ground and he puts his arms around those cows and begins, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And he began to quote the word of God. And he said, now, Lord, stop the death in all of these cows. In fact, raise this one up. And as the Lord is my is the Lord of my life and my judge and what I say, I watch that cow get up with him holding on. <laughs> Just like that. Listen, you walk in obedience. Obedience is hearing God's word. If God says pray, pray. If God says speak, speak. There are people everywhere. There are waitresses. There are waiters. They need to hear Jesus and they're ready to hear. Just be obedient and, and know that as, as you, you do what you're supposed to do and are obedient, you're walking because you've heard in your heart and then you've submitted to it. 
compliant submission is a part of obedience. Okay, okay, God, you said, all right. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all my heart, lean not on my own understanding, and all my ways acknowledge you, and, I, and you said you would direct my paths. Okay, that's childlike faith, isn't it? Well, who's the author and the finisher of our faith? Jesus. Jesus. And what's the third thing about why we, we are obedient? We're in agreement with everything God says. We're in agreement. God spoke it. I agree with it. And that's good enough for me. We've heard that down through the years. So as I, I thought, how can I? Now, this may be different. I may be a little different than what Rick is, I think. I tend to kind of scatter gun a little bit. But I think that's because there, each one of you in this room have different needs. It's the same word, but God knows what. I may have said something that you needed to hear. I have said something later that you needed to hear. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Because what is he doing in these last days? I will pour out my, flesh, my spirit upon all flesh. And you read that whole thing, what's going to take place. And he finished it off there, but there were added to the church daily those who are getting saved. There's what it's all about. You want your church to grow? Let's get, let's get people saved. You want the church to grow? Let's get people saved. I used to be a part of a denomination. I am not anymore. I'm not against denominations as long as they stay in Christ. But some have gone away. Some have, have ventured out into other areas. I love it that Calvary Chapel has stayed true to the word of God and they are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I am grateful for that. But as, as, as I have thought, how can I pull this all to an end for everybody? Knowing you're born again. Knowing that you have fear. Knowing that you've got to make some decisions. Knowing that God is in control and he will guide you. Let me close with a prayer out of Psalm 16. Oh Lord. You have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. For you have made me to know the path of life. 
You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Hallelujah. There you go. Attitude check. Attitude check. I'm going to share, I wasn't going to share this, but I really feel the Lord wants me to. I have a friend that I pray with a lot on phone. I've known this man for 70 of my 80 years. <laughs> we were friends together, teenage boys, wonderful man of God. He walks in the office of a prophet very quietly. He, doesn't, he hasn't written books. He hasn't proclaimed himself, but what a prophet of God. And he's an encourager. And on, uh, uh, I believe it was Friday. Let me get the right date here. Yeah, uh, Friday morning at 7.51 a.m., I get this message. One of the things that I used to deal with as a youth pastor was telling the kids they need to learn to practice the presence of God. And again, practicing the presence is being in his word, recognizing he's never left you nor forsaken you, and where and we take the attitude of Moses, I'm not going unless you go with me, God. That's how our attitude is. Unaware that I was going to teach here this morning, my dear friend wrote me this. He said, practicing the presence, the awareness of the presence of the Lord in our lives is the womb for hope, miracles, dreams, and the assurance of a blessed future. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the future and the plans that I have for you of a hope. Oh. And he said... In the midst of lifeless, dark, of lifeless darkness, God's presence hovered over the deep and in creation, uh, the deep in creation, and life came forth. Let there be, God said, and it was. So today, Cal, in the midst of all that's happening around you and around us, here, the Lord decreeing victory loudly. And he's doing it over all of us, over nations, over situations, over our bodies, over our lives, over our families, over our finances, over their futures. I hear the voice of the Lord proclaiming over his bride and saying, let there be. His name is victory. The Lord is fighting for his people, bringing them into a greater manifestation of all they already understand about being victorious. And what is, what is already theirs? Victory. 1 John 4, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Where the giants have been screaming the loudest, he, he is de decreeing victory over us today. And it's going to be loud 
Your testimony is going to be profound and it will be victory in 23. Go ahead, sing your brand new song to the Lord. He is famous for his miracles and marvel, marvels for he is victorious through his mighty power and his holy strength. And he wrote Psalm 98.1. Peggy put a music to that. It's just a, Sing to the Lord a goose song, for he has done wonderful things. Let the Holy Spirit of God transform you. Let every day be a new day. Let every day be, be the Lord's day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will what? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, listen, I could go on and on and on and on and on, but I, I, I got to bring this to an end. But it doesn't end. Here's the beautiful thing about church. We say amen, goodbye, but then, the, then we live out here. We are light in a dark world. Let your light shine before men that they may see who Christ is in you and be drawn to who Jesus is through you so that they may be with you when we stand. What a day that will be when my Savior I will see. Hallelujah. What a day it's going to be. It's soon. I said to Randy, I think a couple of weeks ago, I said, hey, I, I don't think we're going to make it through 23. Well, I said that about 22 also. But here we are. It's okay. He's coming. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the God of my salvation. And I'm standing on the high hill looking down saying, ah, we won. Hallelujah. But in the meantime, throw out the lifeline. Throw out the lifeline. Throw out the life. What the world needs is Jesus. You know, you know why the Jesus movement works so well? People were so unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They told it everywhere. You could go to the beach here in Southern California and there would be people talking about Jesus. Let's get back to that, church. Let's get back to it. Let's, let's talk. There, there, there's only, that's the only answer. But what if I lose everything? Yet I will praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the privilege that you gave me to stand before this precious congregation of people who are born again. Their lives have been given to become Jesus followers. And your challenge to us today is that we have hope because of you. And again, you're calling us by your word that simply says this, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. That's what we want. Lord, I pray that Calvary Chapel, French Valley, has an explosion of people coming to saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. Let this church be light 
into Temecula, Marietta, wherever anybody lives in this valley. Let this church become light because Jesus is changing lives. And I pray that God, as your, as, as your Holy Spirit guides and directs, as we say amen to this moment together, but recognizing amen really means so be it. We walk in the power of victory. For we know that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And let it be seen. I pray your blessing on the church. Thank you for raising Pastor Rick up so that when he stands here next Sunday, he is absolutely well. By the stripes placed upon your back, he was and is healed. And we pray that in faith, believing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and His Word. So send me your questions, and I'll do my best to answer them. This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, stay in the Word and have a radical week with Jesus. Jesus.